John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. We made it through another week here as we uh, head deep into fall. It's, of course, uh, the cloudy skies, at least no rain so far today. But uh, nevertheless, it's uh, still good good times. Of course, a little quiet week because the Seahawks are on the bye week. Lots of stuff going on in the NFL. Boy, a couple of scares as far as uh, possible games. They had Atlanta yesterday. They had a positive test, uh, they thought, but then they were able to you know, basically cancel things just for one practice and were able to come back and be able to practice today. Then Indianapolis had four people in the front office uh, test positive, but it turned out to be false positive, so they're back and running. And now we find out the New England Patriots had a player test positive, and so they had to shut down their facility, so their game against Denver, which has already been pushed back uh, another time that could be uh, in trouble and being postponed so every day you have to kind of watch and see how the tests go who tests who gets a positive test who gets the false positives all those different things to be able to go but let's get into the five biggest stories of the day Number one. I look at the Rams right now sitting at four and one against the 49ers at two and three. This football team is on a mission. The 49ers are banged up guys in and out of the lineup. We don't know the status of Jimmy G, if he's going to play the entire four quarters or just a quarter and a half or into the second half. We have no idea. He certainly hasn't, even though he's gone to the Super Bowl, certainly hasn't lived up to the billing of a guy that they pay that type of money to, to be a quarterback of a storied franchise. Jared Goff and the Rams. They get it done, much like FPI chance to win says at a 53% clip. I would raise it a little higher than that. So, of course, it's going to be an interesting week just to, for the Seahawks to be able to watch and see what is coming ahead because once they get out of the bye week, three of their four, next four games are against division teams. A road game against Arizona, who now will see how they're going to be without Chandler Jones. And then, of course, you've got the uh, game Sunday night with the Rams and the 49ers, and the 49ers will have Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. But I tell you what, I mean, I don't know if that's still wise because their offensive line is having all kind of problems. Apparently what we saw last week, you know, in the last two games, the 49ers have given up uh, 10 sacks, five sacks in each game. And you've got Jimmy Garoppolo getting that high ankle sprain that cost him two games. And so now uh, what you saw last week is the Miami Dolphins came in with that 3-4 defense and basically took their three uh, defensive linemen all kind of tackle-like and put them over this uh, guard center guard and they got good inside pressure and now uh, they got to try to stop Aaron Donald who's having one of the you know great one of the greatest defensive tackle careers in NFL history this is going to be game 100 for Aaron uh, Donald and he's already got what 75 and a half sacks he's got seven and a half sacks this year and so uh, we'll see but it's starting to turn out to be different than anybody expected I mean you know the 49 the Arizona Cardinals were improved you know they're three and two they've been inconsistent on defense and offense but still they've got the three wins. Then you got the 49ers, two and three, and they've lost three home games. And entering the uh, next seven games, which are going to be really tough, and three that are going to be defining as far as their ability to see if they're going to be a playoff contender. And we're not even talking about a division contender. They may not even make the the wild card the way things are going right now. So uh, you can see there's a lot on the line for the 49ers, probably more so than anybody else. Then you got the Rams, who's now emerged as the main challenger for the Seahawks. And, you you know, their numbers are really good, but of course, some of that 
that is because they had four games against the NFC East and they won all four games. And when you look at statistically, uh, when you look at the, the bottom three teams as far as yardage on offense, I mean, there are three teams that are in the NFC East. Now, of course, now you got Dallas. They don't have Dak Prescott, but any uh, team in the NFC West playing the Cowboys, which, of course, the Seahawks have already done that. San Francisco has to face them. You know, they have to go without Dak Prescott. So it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to talk to Bill Barnwell at 11 o'clock. He's going to discuss the trade market. It's an interesting possibility for a Seahawk trade uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll get into that at 11 o'clock. Number two. Do you feel like you're better this year than you've been before, or they're just letting you throw more? I think I'm playing the best, you know, that I've played. I think, you know, just seeing everything so clear. I mean, I've definitely had great years before, you know, I think. But it should I'm be a progression. And then today, I think because I've treated every day as a new day and as if I've never heard it before, I've learned and retained so much information and experiences. Their only way is up. And I think that's a good fortune, good health and all that stuff, but also having great teammates and leading those guys too as well to giving them the vision and expertise and showing them this is who you can be this is what we're going this is this is the ex- expectation and having those high standards whether if it's the you know during the season playoff time or if it's out of season so Russell Wilson was on with Bill Simmons yesterday and said this is the best he's ever played. And I don't think anybody disagrees with that. It's some of the best quarterbacking I've ever seen. And right now he's on pace to be the MVP of the National Football League. And so the question is going to be, can he can he sustain it? Can the team sustain what's been going on, particularly with the problems that they've had on defense? But right now things look good. And I think you can see in most power rankings, the Seahawks and Green Bay Packers are number one and number two, with Kansas City dropping a little bit to number three. And so the the question is going to be uh, the thought, can Wilson pass Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the NFL s- uh, this season? And right now, you'd have to say yes. Now, of course, Mahomes gets the benefit, and we'll talk about this in a few seconds, about Le'Veon Bell coming over there. But uh, you know, Mahomes' numbers right now do not match what Russell Wilson, who's you know in the top two or three as far as yards per attempt, as far as yards per game, also as far as completion percentage, and 19 touchdown passes in five games. So right now, if you're picking an MVP, it's Russell Wilson. Number three. They now have a piece to not be so bored with. And we've watched this team go through lows. You look at the second half against the Las Vegas Raiders. The first three quarters against the Los Angeles Chargers. They were looking for a spark. Looking for a piece that they can move around. And Bart is exactly right. Are you going to take your safety off of Travis Kelsey? Are you going to move a safety from over the top of Tyreek Hill? Or are you going to take your shot with one of your third or fourth best defenders on Le'Veon Bell? That's the decision that you will now have to make as a defensive coordinator playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, with uh, Ryan Clark's comments, I don't think I think it's a little overreaction to the impact of Le'Veon Bell going to it, but it certainly makes them that much better of an offense. But he's not going to beat out Clyde Edwards uh, Hilar as the uh, st- as the starting running back. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilar in the Andy Reid scheme is probably the best back he's ever had because he can catch the ball, he can run with the ball. I mean, he's right now 82 percent of their offense as far as with the running and pass, and that's and that's way too much. And so in getting Bell, 
Bell is only going to be a role situation player. He'll probably be a, the goal line guy. He'll probably be the short yardage guy. He may just be the third down back, all those different things. But it's not like he's going to eat up all the plays that you have for Halar because he's seventh in the league in rushing. He's got, what, 17 catches in uh, four games. I mean, he's been fantastic. And so five games he's had. But nevertheless, great signing and getting somebody cheap like that. And guess what? In a couple of weeks, he gets to go back and play against the Jets. Number four. Earlier this morning, they released a statement. They really got ahead of it here. They shut down the facility after several people in the organization tested positive for COVID-19. They ran through those POCs. Those are those rapid tests there to retest them. They're also getting tested. It takes a little bit longer. We'll know more this afternoon if those people that tested positive are actually positive. But they're being really cautious and safe here, so they're going to work virtually here. And really the tone I've been getting from both the league office and from the Colts is that they're, they're just being conservative and smart, and they just want to make sure that they control this. But game on for this weekend against the Bengals at this point. Those four positives for the Indianapolis Colts, and those were not players, turned out to be uh, false positives. And so everything's all set, so the Colts are going to be able to play against the Bengals on Sunday. But uh, Colts announcing that uh, they would open the facility later today. In the meantime, Atlanta reopened their facility after a staff member tested positive. I think it was an assistant coach uh, for the positive test. And so uh, they're back on board. But now... You've got the New England Patriots with a player and maybe another front office person or staffer, you know, getting a positive. And so all of a sudden that New England-Denver game, which has already been pushed back, may be in jeopardy. They had to close the facility in New England. So more problems. They just got Stephon Gilmore back. They just got Cam Newton back. They had to put a defensive tackle, Byron Coward, on the COVID's list. But uh, big questions right now for the Patriots. Number five. Gray hits it in the air. Pretty deep to center, sends back Kiermaier at the wall. See you later and see you tomorrow. The Houston Astros win it in the bottom of the ninth. A Correa's walk-off homer, 4-3. to three. And there will be a game six. So the Astros uh, coming back and, you know, after being down three to nothing, coming in and forcing a game six, they, came, they were trailing in the game uh, three to nothing. And after they were trailing three nothing in the series and then they win the two in a row. So now they force game seven between Houston and Tampa Bay. And, of course, everybody is just going crazy over the idea. It's like, oh, don't tell me. The Astros have a chance to get in this because like, everybody's rooting for them not to go because of the problems that they've created with their cheating and all those different things. Now you'll be able to hear see the game at TBS. That's going to be at 3 p.m. Game 6 in the Nas- in the American League. In the National League, Atlanta just destroyed the Dodgers 10-2. to And, of course, now you have Clayton Kershaw having another bad game in, in the playoffs, and it just doesn't go away. So Atlanta now leads the series three games to one, and they can clinch. You can be able to hear the game, the full game, at 6 p.m. tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, you can listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go into further review and you know talk about who the Seahawks should want to win Sunday should it be the Rams or should it be the 49ers it's the John Clayton show 710 ESPN Seattle under further review with John Clayton we'll review the play 
It's going to be a big watch day and a good scouting day coming up on both Sunday and Monday for the Seahawks to watch how things go in the division. And they wait till Sunday night to see the Rams go against the San Francisco 49ers. They wait Monday to see Arizona play the Dallas Cowboys. But some interesting matchups there because it all plays into what's going to be happening once the team comes out of the bye week because in a three-week period, they have to play, uh, well, three out of four weeks, they have division teams. they got a road game in Arizona, home game against San Francisco, then they go to Buffalo, and then after that, they go to the Rams, two of the three games on the road, but all vital games, and really will determine where this team is going to be standing, if it's going to be real tall in this division, with right now, they're in real good shape because they've got a one-game lead over the Los Angeles Rams. So I guess the question is going to be, you know, because the 49ers, the, the, the team that won the division last year with 13 wins, they're on the ropes. you got the Rams at 4-1, and one. so I guess the question is, if you're a Seahawk fan, which team do you want to win Sunday? Michael Bumpus was on with Paul Gallant, and he had his opinion. Who should we be rooting for in Sunday night football? The 2-3 and three San Francisco 49ers or the 4-1 and one Los Angeles Rams? All right, 12s. This is the one time of the year you have to root for the Niners. You want to widen the gap between the Seahawks and the Rams. Now, if the Niners pull this off, I think that would be something to, to get these guys to buy back in and get the morale going. They're not supposed to win this ballgame. The Rams are supposed to come out and, and win this ballgame. But if the Niners get it done, there leaves more of a cushion for the Seahawks. The Hawks, I'd love to see, see them win every game. I don't think it's going to happen. We haven't seen that since the, what, 70s with the Dolphins. I, don't, I just don't think it's, it's going to happen. It's hard to do in football. Guys get hurt. It seems like every week there's someone else on this team who's banged up. So that gives opportunities for teams to take advantage of certain situations. So, I know it's going to be tough. You don't have to wear a Joe Montana jersey or a Jerry Rice jersey, but you want the Niners to beat the Rams this weekend. I hate to agree, but yeah. And I would love to see the Rams take the 49ers out back and, and just end it all. I really would, but and, and I think there also is a danger. If the 49ers win this game, does this all of a sudden make them start believing in themselves again after what has been, I just think, a absolutely brutal start? There's got to be a lot of questions going around the locker room, like, what the heck's going on here? We were in the Super Bowl last year. Why can't we figure it out? I really wonder about the Rams, Bob. I look at them, and I just see a team that's got the most unimpressive resume thus far, despite being 4-1. and one. They should have lost that game to Dallas. I have questions about the Rams' validity of their 4-1 and one record, and especially when people start to glom on a team that, that has Jared Goff as their starting quarterback. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. And of course, uh, the shoe, of course, uh, just dropped right now in the standpoint that, you know, the Rams are four and one. You know, their four wins are against the NFC East, which is argu- arguably the worst division in NFL history based on their track record since the start of the season and now even losing Dak Prescott. But those games are out of the way and the schedule gets tougher. But, uh, you know, some of the stats that they have on defense, which has been the big surprise because over the course of the last two years prior to this one, they had lost like 11 starters and a nickel cornerback, uh, guys who had started and then now either cut, traded, you moved on. And, you know, other than, say, the dominating uh, Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers and Jalen Ramsey, you kind of just don't know who these guys are. But we'll start to find out now as they start to play some better competition. We'll see where the 49ers fit in that uh, category. 
But I look at it and say that uh, you know if you're a Seahawk fan, you want the Rams to lose because what you're looking at is that the 49ers have such a tough schedule coming up that uh, they're going to have to pay a price because you know they've got seven games pretty much mostly against teams with winning records after blowing the chance in their first five to be able to you know get a better than a two and three record. I mean the only thing that they're able to do is be two winless teams in uh, MetLife Stadium, and that was it. And then, of course, if they lose this game, they're 0-4 at home. Imagine that. They still are loaded with injuries like crazy. And so putting all that together, I mean, this is a tough spot for them, and this is kind of their this is their season going up against the Rams. And if they can, you know, rally up and win this game, then at least they can still have a fight to get in there. But I mean, you think about this, you know, if they win, they're gonna be two and a half games behind the Seahawks, and then you know, in two weeks after the bye, then they have to play the Seahawks and have to come up here to do it. And by that time in two weeks, I don't know how many of their injuries are going to be solved. I mean, they'll still have Chris, uh, you know, Richard Sherman. I think he'll be able to play. Uh, they'll start to maybe get some guys back in their secondary, but they're not going to be able to get back a lot of the guys that they've lost on the defensive line. You know, we don't know about D Ford. We already know that Nick Bose is out for the season. And when you look at the Rams, they're starting to get a couple injuries, but they're not too bad. But I think it's going to be a fascinating type of game because, again, everything is on the line for Kyle Shanahan, for Jimmy Garoppolo. And what you want wonder about with the offensive line problems that now have surfaced in San Francisco that didn't surface last year, are they going to be able to hold up going against Aaron Donald, some blitzes and all those different things? And so, Curtis, you know, my way of thinking right now, that's why it's going to be so fascinating because, you know, all we're going to be talking about for the next month is going to be three of these games in the division, which, you know, was is still one of the toughest divisions in football, may not be as tough as we thought it was going to be because you start to make a little bit of the argument that the AFC North is the best. But, you know, going in, there was a thought that there could be four playoff teams in this division. Yeah, and and now we're starting to see a little bit of separation from Seattle and L.A. and maybe even Arizona uh, to a certain extent. The 49ers right now, I mean, you look at their five games, John, they've got two wins. They're two and three, yeah. But those two wins were against the Jets and the Giants two of the maybe three worst teams in the NFL, uh, which any team should beat those two teams, especially in back-to-back weeks. That's why the 49ers have two wins under their belt. If they had played the Jets and Giants maybe later in the season, swapped them out for maybe that Buffalo game later in the year, uh, you know, maybe against the Patriots, then who knows what the 49ers look like. I think they just got blessed by the fact that they had two easy games right out of the gate here and and now it's going to really uh you know compound against them. You've got LA this week at New England at Seattle at home against Green Bay at New Orleans at LA Buffalo. I mean from October 18th through December 7th there is no time off uh, except for their bye week which you can't lose that week. But uh, I mean the 49ers right now John it is just it's starting to become a tailspin and I don't see anywhere for them to hold on for dear life in the next, you know, month and a half. No, I don't either. And that's the thing. It's like, and you know, you you had the success of getting 13 wins last year, but it also comes with a price. You go to the Super Bowl, you lose. You have the Super Bowl hangover, which now is I call it still a migraine for the injuries that they've had, the problems that they've had, and then of course, you know, in the non-common games, those are two games that you play based on where you finished in the standings. You know, Seattle's already won their two games. They beat Atlanta. They beat Minnesota. You know, both teams are on the downs. And then you look at the, you know what the uh, 49ers have to do they have 
have to play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, which of course is you know at least now the number two seed in, in the conference and in the in the league. And then they also have to play Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, and they've got problems on defense with their pass rush and everything else. And so this one's critical just to salvage something because you know you can look down the line and you know this team could end up being something like what three and six. And if that's going to be the case, they're done. Oh, absolutely, they're done. And you look at the Rams, their next three games, if you count this Sunday, at San Francisco, at home against Chicago, at Miami, then it's the bye week. Uh, I mean, if they can get by the 49ers, I think the Bears are a beatable yep, team, even yep. though they're off to a 4-1 and one start. And Miami, obviously, is beatable uh, because the Seahawks went to Miami and, and you know cleaned house down there. I think if the Rams can get by San Francisco on Sunday, you're looking at a team that could get off to maybe a six and two, seven and one start here, which puts even more pressure on the Seahawks, uh, especially if you know the Seahawks f- drop a game in their next three or so. Then you're looking at a tie tie race here in the uh, AFC West or the uh, NFC West, I should say. So I mean, there's so much importance on this one game for the Rams and the 49ers and the Seahawks, for that matter, uh, on Sunday night and. I think if you're a Seahawk fan, you kind of have to hope that the Rams drop it. But at that, I think right now the the chances of LA losing to San Francisco are, are not that big. I think I think LA should have a, an easy go of it on Sunday. Yeah, I do too. And because uh, right now they just look like the better team. But then when you look at the, what's going on, because again we we both agree that the Rams have played an easy start to the schedule, and as the way things broke down, it wasn't as difficult for the Seahawks, even though each game was so tough but you know that's why if you're the Rams you've got to find a way to get ahead of Seattle before they start playing those games against some of the teams that the 49ers beaten like the Washington Redskins the Philadelphia Eagles the uh, New York Giants and of course they still have the Jets you know they still have you know some easy type of games that they can win and if they do uh, they can just start to run away that's why if you're the Rams you somehow in the next five six games you've got to get ahead of Seattle yeah, you absolutely do, but uh, I think I think the Seahawks right now, with how Russell Wilson is playing, with how he's just kind of willing this team uh, to to victory each and every week, uh, I don't know if he's going to allow for the no. Seahawks to 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 loosen up here at all. Hey, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app. Coming up next, which I was Stacy Ross to talk about the Seahawks and this weekend of NFC West football. It's the John Clayton Show. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Joining us is Stacy Ross, and so Stacy, uh, of course, everybody is so critical as they are about the defense, and you know it's amazing that uh, you know nationwide, and everybody knows that Seahawks have defensive issues right now, being 32nd in yards allowed and the points allowed, and all those different things. Is that uh, you know just about most of the power rankings put Seattle as the number one seed in the league, ahead of Green Bay and ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's weird, John, because um, <laughs> the defense has been pretty bad, and uh, Green Bay's defense managed to get better, and I know that sounds like blasphemous to say on Seattle radio. Uh, what I will say is that as abysmal as the defensive performance has been, and it has been very bad, I think they have too much talent to continue on like this. It, it almost makes no sense. I mean, we were talking with Dave Wyman on with us the other day on Tom, Jake, and Stacy, and he said, I mean, it's not a matter of talent. 
you've got talent to be great. And so you get help from Jamal Adams, who's coming back. Rasheem Green could come back from the injured reserve list. Jordan Brooks may be back soon. Who knows when Daryl Taylor's going to play, but there's a chance for him to come in, and you never know if he could impress you as a rookie late in the year. So I think that there is enough there for them to build off of. But I think that right now it is okay for it to make fans really nervous. Like, oh, I don't yeah. think you're being a negative Nancy or, or not having fun with a 5-0 and record. If you're a little bit nervous about this defense, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, but that's the thing that, uh, you know, again, I know that the teams that they played, there's only one that had a decent record, and that's going to be the New England Patriots at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, But they did face four out of five really good quarterbacks. And, of course, quarterbacks who had to play comeback football when, uh, you know, not necessarily Kirk Cousins because the Seahawks had to make the comeback in that game mm-hmm. because of what the uh, Minnesota Vikings did with that first-half zone defense that took away the big play and basically put Russell Wilson in a spot where he got sacked four times and had so many third and longs and second and longs that was hard to manage. Now, John, I can only assume when you say four out of five good quarterbacks that the quarterback you're excluding from that conversation is Kirk Cousins nope. and not Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. It can't be Ryan. Why not? John, the, have you seen the way he dresses post game? He has too much swagger to be excluded from this conversation. He is a top... 10 quarterback and just swagger alone. Yeah, but swagger is one thing and being a good quarterback is another. I mean, I've always considered him to be one of the best backup quarterbacks in football, but I still go by, uh, you know, what is always taught in the National Football League. If you have a good backup quarterback, he can come off the bench and win you three games, but if you play him six, he'll lose you three games because it's, you know, best he's going to be able to do is maybe get you to 500, where, you know, the quarterbacks like Matt Ryan's been to the Super Bowl, Cam Newton's been to the Super Super Bowl. Dak Prescott's won a playoff game. Kirk Cousins hasn't won a playoff game, but uh, he, he doesn't dress great, but who cares? <laughs> John, just you slayed him. You got him. Yeah, Did yeah. Kirk Cousins rush for a touchdown, John? And how many backup quarterbacks, John, could come off the bench and make their team more likable? That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick does. The, the Dolphins are just a more likable team when he's on the field. How do you not love Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, he plays with Rubik's Cubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does, and right. But but that's the thing. It's like okay, so he plays with Rubik's cues, but he also plays on bad football teams. Yeah, you make a good I mean, point, John. I mean, I think uh, during that long career that he's had, I think he's only been on one team. One team has had a winning record. That kind of justifies the uh, you know the old Ted Marshabroda uh, rule of okay, good backup quarterback and maybe get you six and six, or at least get you to five hundred. <sighs> John, you just stay making good points. You know, I, I, I sit here and I, I try to come back and, and make my case for Ryan Fitzpatrick just to play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. And once again, you've just proven me wrong. And I can't stand it. Yeah. You know what? I do have a question while I'm on with yeah. you. Um, I was asked whether or not the Seahawks are going to be targeting anyone in free agency. Specifically, though, with the trade deadline coming up, I think they were asking whether or not they would be trading for anyone. They were eyeing free agent pass rushers or pass rushers they could trade for. It seems like I can't, I can't think of a top-tier pass rusher that they'd be able to trade for. I mean, is there anything they can do to make this defense, specifically the defensive line, better before the trade deadline? Well, funny you ask. On top of the hour, we're going to be talking to Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com, and he just did – 
you know, 11 possible trades that he could see happening. And one of the trades that he has involves the Seahawks. And what he has is a three-way trade that uh, they would, listen to this one. You know, they would, they would be trading and this, getting. the Mets? What's that? Yeah, it's a, well, Baltimore would be in there. And they, they would get a seventh-round pick for Jacob Hollister because they have to clear some cap room. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, they'll give up uh, B.J. Finney, who hasn't, you know, all, I think he's been averaging like about three plays on special teams and nothing as far as in the lineup and, you know, getting him over as a center for the Atlanta Falcons. And what the Seahawks would get, listen to this one, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber center in Alex Mack mm-hmm. and Tack McKinley, the former first round pick, uh, who's actually done a few good things for the first time, maybe in his four year career. Yeah, John, the first thing you need to ask Bill Barnwell is why he hates Ethan Posick. Well, no, actually, no. If if you read the article, and he actually said good things about Ethan Posick. He he's did. what he's looking at is that this is kind of a salary dump uh, because again, Seahawks would have to give up a sixth round pick, mm-hmm. and then they get a seventh round pick back, and then throw the seventh round pick in that mix to get it done. But it's a salary dump because you know here's Atlanta 0 and 5. They fired their coach. They fired their general manager. You know they're trying to you know move some dollars because uh, you know they're going to be in bad shape. Max is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, so he's not going to be able to do it. And if you're Seattle, okay. I mean, you can get Mac. Uh, you see, but again, Posick's played well, really well. What, what, now, what are you going to be looking forward to on Sunday night with the Rams and 49ers? Oh, man. Well, we were actually debating which team to root for because objectively, everyone here, I mean, I think most people in Seattle hate the 49ers more than they hate the Rams, but just hate both teams. I think it's in Seattle's best interest to root for the 49ers because you have two options. One, the 49ers win and you push the Rams a little bit of a safer distance away from you because the Rams are are pretty good, like surprisingly good, better than I thought they would be. They're a game behind you and their defense is picking up steam, too. Um, um, the other thing you could look at is, well, if the Rams win, yeah, they're 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 right up there with you. But also, you just bury the 49ers and you take them out of the conversation. So you're just looking at basically one other team in the NFC West you need to beat. So I am going for the 49ers. It feels weird to say, but I think that's in every Seahawks fan's best interest. Tarek the board op is a 49ers fan, John. I want to warn you. And mm-hmm. he's cheering. Tarek, this is not an endorsement. It's not an endorsement, Tarek. It sure, sure sounded like it. Gotta yeah. say. But, not but, at but all. Listen, listen to this, Tarek and, and, and Stacey. It's like, okay, let's say they beat the Rams and they're 3-3. Three and three. And you're right. That's the best move for Seattle because now you get uh, the Rams at 4-2. and two. You got new, the, the 49ers have to play at New England, at Seattle. They host Green Bay. They have to go to New Orleans. I mean, they can go into their bye week, and they could end up being somewhere in the neighborhood of, what, two and seven. Yeah. They're out of it. They're done. Oh, man. What a weird fall from grace. Sorry about that in advance, Tari. Yeah, I know. And what what about on uh, Monday Monday night, Arizona and Dallas? Obviously, uh, everybody in Seattle should be rooting for Dallas, but how do you kind of Look at that matchup. I mean, I think it's interesting because there's so many pieces that you're watching for. One, Arizona is Seattle's first opponent coming out of the bye week, and I haven't been paying close attention to them. They're the team that I thought would be like the Cinderella story of the league, certainly of the NFC West. I thought they'd be the wild card that just would might get a win against you when you were least expecting it. They don't have Chandler Jones anymore, which was you know the big thing you were watching for. Um, on the other side of the ball, I'm very curious as to what Dallas looks like without Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott's significantly better than Andy Dalton, but there's a debate there where some people think the difference isn't too, mu- uh, too different. 
Of course, uh, you can see a difference of like uh, $30 million. That's right. One that's, I mean, that's yeah. one thing, John. Yeah, no, no doubt, because you know, if they franchise them next year, it's going to be 37-7. But, uh, I mean, just a final thought here. was like, How do you kind of sum up the first five games for the Seahawks? Um, I would say uh, they deserve to be 5-0. and I know the defense is bad, but I don't buy the the conversation that they're lucky to be there. They're they are a great offense, and they're a defense that knows how to make plays. They have stars, and I expect them to at least improve a bit after the bye week. Okay, so Stacey, what are you having to show today? Uh, we are going to do Bold Take Friday, so get those ready. Uh, we are also going to do a bye week quiz um, between Curtis and Tom. It's called Bye Bye Bye, and I will quiz them about the Seattle Seahawks through five weeks. Okay, well, that sounds good. That's going to be starting at 12. Stacey Ross, enjoy. Thanks. All right. Coming up, we're going to okay, – by the way, you can uh, go ahead and uh, check out the uh, Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we go behind the lines and get you updated on what's going on in the National Football League. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, Dalvin Cook officially ruled out with that shoulder injury he suffered last week against Seattle for the Minnesota Vikings. Things just keep getting worse. You know, they go against the Atlanta Falcons right now, but no Dalvin Cook. And then uh, Drew Samaya, who had uh, all kind of problems trying to handle Jaron Reed, he's going to be out. You know, he's going to be so that's so they're they're a mess right now. So it's kind of a a tough time if you're the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Curtis. Yeah, they one in four, no Dalvin Cook. It, it doesn't look like it's going to get any easier for them. And I mean, that's sort of a, an interesting situation because you look at that team, that's a good team, or at least on paper it'd be a good team, but the record uh, certainly hasn't mirrored that. Uh, they've lost a lot of close games, obviously, last Sunday, uh, losing it last second to the Seahawks. Minnesota in for a rough year this year, John. Any other big injuries uh, we should be watching for heading into Sunday? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's so many because uh, you, know, you got some. There's more injuries. I, I know there's all kind of problems in Carolina. Uh, their first round pick from last year, Brian Burns, isn't going to play. And then you know Utah Gross Matos, he's going to be out on an ankle injury. And then of course yesterday they had to put Kawan Short on injured reserve, so they're in deep trouble. There. There. And again, that's a real challenge defense. So that's one. Then, you know, yesterday, Sam Hubbard, defensive end of Cincinnati, became the second defensive lineman that had to go on injured reserve. Uh, he, he had an elbow injury. And then, of course, earlier this week, uh, DJ Reader was wiped out for the season. So they're in big trouble. I know in Cleveland, it looks like it's a go for Baker Mayfield, despite the rib injury that he has. So he's going to try to do, gut this one out against a Steeler team that's going to be blitzing like mad. So that, and of course, the Steeler team is going to be mad because Miles Garrett is coming to town, and this is their first meeting like that. I know that uh, you know some questionables in Jacksonville: DJ Clark with an ankle injury, Josh Allen, defensive end, with a knee injury, Tyler Eifert with a neck injury. So stay tuned on those fronts. So those are some big ones. You know, we'll see about Tennessee because they're coming back. You know, obviously on a short week to see where it's going, and then of course we're always watching the 49ers list because they just have way too many injuries. Yeah, they do. Jimmy Garoppolo sort of at the forefront of their injury report. John, uh, from what you have heard and, and seen this week with the 49ers and what Kyle Shanahan may or may not have said about Garoppolo, do you expect him to play? And if so, how much do you expect him to play? 
Mm, I think he's going to try to play the whole game, but I don't know if he's going to be able to last because they've done a bad job blocking the last couple of weeks. It's really dropped off, and you know they're going against Aaron Donald. And so uh, I think that could be on big, big trouble there because, uh, you know, he's not going to be mobile because of the high ankle sprain. So he's going to be out there. And you saw how bad that he played last week. So to me, this is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, uh, I would not be envious of the 49ers and how they're going to go about deciding on who plays quarterback on Sunday. John, one team uh, that has had some COVID issues over the last couple of weeks, that'd be the Patriots. They had Cam Newton test positive, Stephon Gilmore test positive. Both those guys returned to practice, but Friday's practice has been canceled after another player tested positive for COVID. Uh, that's uh, according to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. Uh, they also received another positive uh, within the organization, but that test is being rechecked to confirm. As of now, all systems are go for their game against the Broncos on Sunday, but uh, do you think the NFL goes forward with this if this test is determined to actually be a positive? No, I think there's a good chance that uh, you know they may have to move this game back again. I mean, here, here was the crazy part. If you're the Denver Broncos, you're supposed to play New England on Monday, right? Okay, And so at that time, if you would have played them, it would have been a game that uh, Cam Newton wouldn't be able to go because of COVID-19. And, you know, you wouldn't have uh, certainly, uh, you know, the best defensive player in football last year and Stephon Gilmore. Both would have been out. Now both are going to be available. But now more problems with the Patriots. And this could delay things and push everything back and make it even a bigger mess. Well, yeah. And the Broncos bye week is done, correct? Like they don't have an ability to to you, sort of flex that bye week around and, and make up this game later on in the schedule, correct? No, that's correct, yeah. I mean, they're going yeah. you know, to be in really big trouble in this one. So, yeah, it's a it's a bad, bad situation. But, uh, you know, again, this is what everybody's going to be dealing with. And, again, you want to try to make sure that you can get things going so that uh, you, you don't have to have a week 18 because the problem is if you have to make up a second game for a team that's been postponed, now you have to have a week 19 and you have a whole bunch of playoff teams just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want anybody sitting around doing nothing, especially in a year like this in the NFL. And uh, John, the big the big uh, transaction yesterday: Le'Veon Bell going to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, just a couple days after being released by the New York Jets. Yeah, they've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire already in that backfield. He's been great in you know the season's first you know third. Uh, how do you see them sort of implementing Le'Veon Bell into that offense? Uh, is he going to be someone that could be a, a difference maker for them, or is he just going to be there uh, to sort of ease the workload for? for yeah, he's Edwards? just going to be there to ease the lo- workload. What I compare this to is uh, all the people in Seattle that were clamoring for er- Earl Thomas to come back <clears throat> and to come back you know he's coming back to a secondary that already has two starters you know because you've got Quandre Diggs and Earl Thomas's role and so he's not going to beat out uh, you know Quandre Diggs and then you have uh, you know Jamal Adams as one of the best safeties in football so he would come back here to be a backup he's not going to do that in the case of Le'Veon Bell sure he goes to a team that could go to the Super Bowl but he's not going to beat out uh, Edwards because Edwards is the best back 
most people think that Andy Reid's had for his particular offense. And you can already see it execute right now because he's, you know, what, seventh in rushing. He's, uh, he's eating up 82% of their offense. Uh, he's done that much on an offense that's very potent. But, you know, eight, you know, you, you gotta, you got to try to ease things down a little bit for him. And so what Le'Veon's going to do, and I have two thoughts on that. First, I mean, you know, they, uh, you don't have – Edwards is not real good on short yardage plays. Le'Veon can help out on that. He, uh, Le'Veon might be a better pass blocker in passing situations, protecting the quarterback. That might be good. And Le'Veon's really good, but I kind of get the feeling, and this is the negative side of this, because remember, you're talking about a back to turn down $14.5 million, sat out the season, got thick, you know, got a little, and it's like, where's his love for the game? So I'm I'm thinking right now, he took the job with the Kansas City Chiefs, one, to be in a position to maybe go to the Super Bowl, but number two, just to collect his $8.5 million guaranteed from the New York Jets and not have to work as hard. Yeah, it's hard to find, you know, just over the course of the last, you know, basically three seasons, anything that points to Le'Veon Bell, you know, wanting to play football, uh, especially, you know, with how it ended in Pittsburgh and, and how good he looked. I mean, he was, he, there was no denying his talent. He put up, what, 1,200 yards rushing and also 600 yards receiving. Uh, but, you know, he sat out all 2018, 2019. He was not effective at all. And then just, you know, two games he played with the Jets this season, barely did anything with them. Uh, you got to wonder if it's still there for him because uh, you know he missed out on that big payday in 2018. I don't know if he's ever going to get an opportunity to make that kind of money again in the NFL. You, know, you think about what's happened to him when he was pretty much established as the best back in the league. So he gets franchised and he holds out. In the two years since, he's averaged like 3.2 yards and 2.9 yards a carry. Now again, I know he had the hamstring injury that uh, basically Adam Gaze screwed up on by keeping him on the field. That was bad, and he had to spend three games on the injured reserve list. But, uh, I mean, his skills and his numbers have declined dramatically. Yeah, he is a shell of what he used to be. Exactly. We're not talking Donnie Shell. Hey, coming up next, we're going to talk to Bill Barnwell. Did a great story on some trade possibilities. We get closer to the trade deadline. Has one interesting one for Seattle. Bill Barnwell, of course, writing for ESPN.com. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.